and welcome to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. My name is Sally Nilsson and I'm a psychotherapist, published author, public speaker and mum. I discovered my autism and ADHD aged 56 in March 2021 and having rewritten my life story, I'm on a quest to advocate for neurodivergent community. I hope you enjoy listening to my incredible guests sharing their experiences of autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, Tourette's and OCD. We talk about growing up, education, work and personal stories and how mental health has played its part in shaping lives. Our conversations cover spectrums, traits, challenges, acceptance and successes. So sit back, relax and find out what it means to feel, think and be different in a neurotypical world. So hello Owen and I'm delighted to to meet you. I, uh, well together we're on the Autistic Counselors and Psychotherapists Facebook group and I seem to be following you around different platforms and podcasts and uh, um, you know, I love what you say. I've been very interested in the work you do. And uh, so what I'd like to do to start with, if I may, is just to ask you to do a quick introduction, your name and roughly where you live, county, country. So over to you, please, Owen. Hi, Sally. Yeah, lovely to be here. And uh, my name's Owen Stevens, and I'm Irish. I'm from Dublin. I now live just uh, at the next county out from Dublin, County Kildare and work in both counties. I have a practice in a couple of different places. So I'm a counsellor and psychotherapist, uh, and I also provide supervision to other counsellors, psychotherapists, and I do a good bit of training as well. I used to lecture, uh, but now I just do some kind of CPD training workshops with other therapists. So um, thanks for that. And uh, just tell me a little bit um, what you do in the realms of neurodivergence. Well, uh, currently, my main work is private practice. Now I've a history of various other, you know, different kind of balances of work Uh, for a a number of years. I was uh, primarily in the education field with counselors and psychotherapists. I was, you know, helping to run a training college. So I was doing lots of lecturing and lots of management and only a little bit of private practice. But last five years or so, uh, you know, I've gone very much solo. Um, Suits me as an autistic person. Um, uh, I, you know, do a bit of training, the supervision, but the bulk of my work is, 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 you know, client work with a range of issues. And I'd been sort of, you know, edging into working more and more with autistic people, being autistic myself, uh, yes. you know, it's uh, 10 years ago or so realize I'm, I'm autistic. So I've been, you know, gener- generally pretty slowly, you know, kind of making that part of my work, but past couple of years and particularly the past year uh i've just rapidly dived into that area i mean it's it's growing so rapidly and the need is so huge so currently i'd say three quarters of my clients are autistic adults uh are are people who are pretty sure they're autistic or who are exploring that you know they may be autistic with all the issues that go with that anxiety and relationship issues and life uh decisions that need to be made and all sorts of other things that, that that we all have um but yeah largely my work these days is is um specifically trying to learn how to 
work specifically with autistic people because I think we're all on a learning curve around that really it's we it's, are and and they certainly say and it is true isn't it when you've met when you've met one autistic person you've met one autistic person absolutely. and that's the truth of it isn't it absolutely. so um you know you're I, I, I ask the question normally what is your neurodivergence and you've told me you're autistic do you have any co-occurring differences and and tell me a little bit about uh or tell us a little bit about you know uh your diagnosis did you say 10 years ago just give me a little bit of um of information about your journey because my guests have certainly told me it can be really hard really horrible or very easy what was your journey like well it was mixed i suppose um i mean uh, largely positive uh i mean the way it went for me was i mean i i i don't have uh other co-occurring uh, issues that I'm aware of. Uh, so uh, I've, I've struggled with, with, you know, various mental health issues along the way, social anxiety and occasional depression and, you know, bits of addictions. Um, but, you know, I'm, I, I, other than that, I'm, I'm uh, not aware of, of uh, other neurodivergences apart from, from autism. Um, but I suppose the way it went for me was that bit over 10 years ago, you know, maybe 12 years ago or so, uh, I, I was beginning to find the hints of some autistic clients in my practice. I oh, think yeah. it was, again, yeah. beginning to shift a little bit in the world back then, but only a little bit. And it was really clients I knew a little while who began to talk about, you know, a bit of, you know, having, you know, an autistic family member who, you know, were, you know, talking about, uh, you know, kind of things that were sort of OCD, but not quite OCD, you know, those kind of, you know, particularly intense kind of patterns around order and things like that. And, you know, I, I mean, I didn't know a lot about autism in those days. Who did, you know, in a way? Yeah. Um, but uh, I was curious about it. Um, uh, there is, it's, I mean, of course, it runs in my family in retrospect. I didn't really know that at the time, but again, there had been hints of it at least around around a family member at one stage again in, in a time when nobody was really clear about it or there wasn't much diagnosis certainly of adults so i was curious i suppose i'm a curious type i thought mm, this is interesting and you know one client two clients three clients over the space of a, a couple of years uh, we began just to talk about it and we began to just speculate together on oh, could autism be relevant for you and so in a way they were uh, exploring it as I was exploring it and almost together we found our way into you know in the case of as I said maybe three four clients yeah this fits um, uh, and I don't think at that point any of them got a diagnosis or were interested in getting diagnosis because as you know that varies um, plenty of my clients since ha have done or have come to me with the diagnosis but they definitely embraced that aspect of themselves as a person and thought that's really helpful god it never occurred to me that I might even though my whatever my brother is autistic, that never occurred to me that I would be, uh, but this really makes sense. So I found it very productive with a few clients. And then almost one day, but not literally one day, but you know, just over a space of a week or so, I started to think, God, it kind of fits me a bit, you know. <laughs> I'm reading this up, you know, Tony Atwood and people like that, and thinking, God, you know, it's funny the way we're a, we're a very autistic -y kind of family and this really fits. And then literally, on one particular day, the whole thing flipped 180 degrees, you know, uh, and, and by, you know, by the end of the day, uh, you know, I was just thinking, that's it. That's completely clear. And the, the bit for me that helped it be a very positive experience was 
I was well into adulthood at that stage. I had done a lot of my own therapy. I'd worked on a lot of issues. I'd really worked a lot on self-esteem. I was in a reasonably good place in my own, you know, mental health and my own sense of self. Though, yeah. interestingly, I always felt there was something missing. I felt yeah. there was something very fundamental missing. I really had that sense. And then I thought, no, 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 you know, but this was it. So it was like, literally, that was it. I thought it pretty much all makes sense now. And you, you know yourself, I had that experience then for weeks and months afterwards. Oh, that as well. And oh, God, that thing that happened to me years ago, <laughs> yeah. and that thing that I struggled with and that and that. And they all they all just fit this. And this is this is great. So by and large, it was it was positive. Now, there were there were some buts in that. Um, but by and large, for me, it was really just a, a very growthful, positive, helpful experience. I really think, yeah, um, I identify so much with that, Owen. And it, it's almost exactly the same journey, really. But what was happening with um, within my practice was that I was getting clients that were coming in who seemed really highly sensitive, sensitive to so many things. Uh -huh. They might have had That's anger good. outbursts. They might have been crying. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't fit in. And they were, um, they were having shutdowns and meltdowns. And they're having quite explosive and, and dramatic things that I hadn't really come across before. And actually, that sent me on the route to polyvagal th um, theory, which I was very, very interested in. And then again, I, I started seeing more clients. I started reading up Tony Ad Atwood, um, Edward Halliwell for ADHD, all sorts of different areas until I read a book, Divergent Mind. And my goodness, that, that came right mm. back and bit me on the bottom. And, and I cried my eyes out, actually, because I yeah. thought that is me and then I went on a different journey and and since then I've done hundreds of hours of research to understand clients understand myself have some therapy but it's such a similar journey it really really is so um what was it like for you growing up you know like within the family and and school and then into the workplace well it's an interesting one that because again I, it's something I see with clients it's like you know I found family life pretty good and felt yeah. in a sense very at home at home now I'm not saying there were never any issues but I did find that again a bit of a puzzle as a client myself in therapy because I really felt that I didn't have huge amount of family issues you know and um, now we all have issues and I did plenty of work on both parents there was another interesting part of my journey into discovering that I was autistic was I was also in I was back in therapy uh, with a new therapist for maybe a year before that and she didn't know anything about, about autism or neurodivergence but she was just a very good therapist and very supportive and and uh, it was partly true again re-looking at both my parents that also helped me you know discover my own autism and then she was really supportive when I discovered it so that was a very positive experience and you know she went on her own learning journey the therapist but you know I, I, I you know found that like for instance one of the things I sometimes explore with clients is um is you know where would they have done a lot of their masking and with some clients they would have felt they needed to do a lot of masking in their family but not, a little less out, outside if they you know find a niche you know find a set of friends and, and others it's the other way around but for me it was definitely the other way around in the sense that I, I felt generally pretty safe and pretty comfortable um within my family setting and was happy to spend a lot of time within my family setting can I just ask you on that point well, uh, before we go on to school? Yes. Because 
Um, on the family setting and you saying that um, it was good and it was a happy family and you felt, you know, calm and you had good mental health within the family. Were you seeing a therapist at that point um, within your family before school? No, I wouldn't. Oh, I see. OK, so please carry on with your story. Yeah. No, no, not until later in life that I would have gone for therapy. But no, I, I, I wouldn't have any had need to now, like. I, I would have been known as an anxious child. I mean, I might not have known that at the time that I was known as an anxious child, but my mother said it about me looking back. You were always an anxious child. Yeah. And I always had, um, you know, uh, tummy upsets and, you oh, know, right. indigestion and that kind of thing. And That's polyvagal, isn't it? All of that, you know, and I was very, and I was shy, friendly, but shy, you know. Um, yeah. And so, you know, like, in retrospect, you know, my family is uh, quite an autistic kind of family. So we were we were sort of happy together and we all liked reading a lot and we all liked nature a lot. And, you know, we weren't that into what a lot of what other people were into. So I often felt more, you know, myself within my family, to be honest, than, than outside of it. Um, and always get on with everybody. But by and large, I did feel, you know, that I belonged there, if you like. I mean, that's yeah. one of the big issues, I think, when you're autistic is not feeling you belong. But no, I felt like I belonged in my family. Um, but school, well, yeah, I mean, uh, school was mixed. In some ways, I was intelligent and liked a lot of the subjects. And so in some ways, of course, school was a great experience, you know, as in, as in, you know, I got praise for being being good at things. But in other ways, it was it was um, very, very hard. Um, and, you know, I in retrospect, like at the time, I wouldn't have known it. But in retrospect, I had a string of friends which is interesting, you know, yes. I didn't have any friend from the start of primary school to the end of primary school yeah. or any friend from the start of secondary to the to the end of secondary. I had friends, but it was always different friends yes. as the years went by, you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. clearly that was a difficulty for me. Um, uh, my father tells told the story that my parents are, are, are passed away now, but my father used to tell the story. All my si brothers and sisters went to kindergarten, you know, they went to. Yes, yeah and loved the lady who, who ran the preschool. Um, and uh, I, when I, I, my sister, I have an older sister and then some younger siblings, but you know, I was the second to go, but my father had a feeling and he brought me in and introduced me to the lady who ran the preschool. And then he went and he sat in the car and I, a few minutes later, I came running back out again and I never went back. He said that he was very clear. I was not interested. I was not going back. How fascinating. What a difference. I mean, that's only whatever, you know, uh, three and a half years old, you know, um, but it's yeah. just so interesting that right there and then I was obviously thinking this is not really my scene, you know. And he waited in the car as well. And, and I love that because that does show such a connection within the family being happy and, and connected that, you know, you understood each other. You could possibly see if um, the environment wasn't quite right or the sounds were too noisy or, you know, and you have this perception and intuition that somebody else within the family unit wasn't feeling so great. How many um, siblings have you got, by the way? The six of us all together. So, so you're a big family. Yeah. So what happened after that? Tell me more about your um, sort of younger schooling. Well, you know, as I said, school, school was mixed. You know, in some ways I liked school uh, because, as I said, I was, you know, uh, actually quite keen on, on you know, learning uh, still from the fact of my main passion, um, learning, but, um, you know, and so school was was interesting in many ways, but of course, you know, that meant I was a bit of a SWAT, you know, yes. uh, and, and a nerd and, and, you know, teased for that and so on, but 
it, it, it wasn't bad either in some ways, you know, only in retrospect that I see just how anxious I always was and how the world out there just always seemed scary, you know, compared to home, you know. Um, one thing that was really difficult for me was the transition to college um, from secondary school to university. That's interesting because um, uh, I... I found sort of 14, 15 was really hard and college was easier. And I know year nine can be um, hard as well. But for you, you're saying that it wasn't that. It was going on to college at around sort of 16, was it? Yeah, about 17. What happened there? Yeah, and, you know, in retrospect again, you know, my last couple of years of secondary school didn't go all that well. Right. Uh, in, in terms of, like, because I was a top student and uh, became a slightly less than top student, you know. Um, uh, but then I would have just attributed to the fact that I was having a bit of a good time and rebelling and hanging around with a slightly yeah. more drinking crowd or whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but, and, and I'd got enough, you know, to, to go to college. So, um, but in retrospect, I was kind of losing myself a bit, you know. Yes. Uh, unsure about where I was going. But yeah, college, I found university overwhelming. You know, I went to um, the, the, the biggest university, you know, in Dublin, University College Dublin, UCD, um, had moved to, a, um, they'd made, they'd built this massive new campus. Um, and um, yeah, I just found, I found it overwhelming. It, it, it wasn't, again, the subject matter, you know, that wouldn't be the problem area for me, uh, the, the academic side of it, it was the, it was this massive world where you were supposed to find your own way and there was very little guidance yes, yeah. none at all it, when it came to the social side it wasn't like you were in a class with the same people all the time you were you know, no, not the same structure great big oh. gaps in between I mean the working on your own probably would have been okay but it, yeah. it it is that it's so different and of course I don't know how good it is now but it's that pastoral care they didn't know you just no. Got to get on with it. It must have been so hard. What well, What were any key moments where you may have come unstuck and really struggled, Owen? Well, you know, um, it, it is an interesting. It's an interesting piece for me that particular transition or failed transition, if you like. I mean, basically, I, <clears throat> I went to do a science degree and I was going to be a teacher, and 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 I couldn't complete first year science, and then I took a year out, and I'll I'll tell you about that in a minute, but because that was interesting, but um, uh, you know. The, the, it's, I, I mean, I told my parents I was struggling. And again, you know, I've mentioned my father, my mother in particular, um, you know, uh, looking, she used to look back on that years later and say, you know, you, you, actually you were depressed then. We didn't really know it, but you were. And now she never, neither of them ever knew that I'm autistic because they passed away by then. But, but, um, but certainly, you know, she again would have done her best to understand, you know, yeah. any of us struggling, you know, she was very ahead of her time that way. Um, she'd read up on things, you know, but, um, uh, but they did, I said I was struggling, I said I couldn't hack it and I had just really stopped going to lectures, you know, and I was just going in there and I asked, could I you stop going? And they said, well, could you finish the year? Didn't really want to, but you know, I did. I, I went in and finished the year. I actually made a few friends, you know, I was yeah. lucky. I ran into a few other odd bods, you know, and made a few friends and, and, and even hung on to them, even though I didn't go back to science, I went back to psychology after a year out. Um, but, you know, I really just, it was like, in some ways, I think a classic autistic feeling. I just felt like an alien in that place. Yeah. It felt like, I mean, I, it's not like I was in a foreign country or something, you know, I was in Ireland, in Dublin, where I'm from, you know, and yet somehow I felt like I was a ghost 
wandering around this big campus yes, you know, yeah. uh, with no connection to other people and they were all living some other life and of course the classic again autistic thing seemed to know how to do it and, and speaking and, a language and and all the banter and the sort of superficial yeah. chat and the small yeah. talk and and all the programs are watching the music they're into just the hopping about from subject to subject and it, it it's a sensory overload and it's a different language isn't it it is very different and of course in retrospect i could see my you know need and, and this is what i did find with just a few people you know at least some of them in retrospect again maybe even autistic but but you know what i needed was the info dump kind of conversation the absolutely yeah, talk deep. about something you're intensely interested yes. including the subjects we were studying of course which nobody talked about uh you know yeah yeah you know that kind of thing just to really get into things and i did find a bit of it fortunately with people but i, I just couldn't get a handle around the the whole kind of structure social and academic of the of this confusing place you know and yes and what happened after that because you were saying to me oh. something something happened after that that was quite significant for you I, i've been i've been lucky along the way you know I have yes. to say that. i've met great people and i've had great opportunities you know so i've been lucky i think i've been luckier than some i have to say I'll, i'd like to just put that out there and be grateful for it you know i mean uh, i had no idea what i was going to do yeah um i um went and did a bit of you know kind of you know kind of construction type work or whatever with an uncle of mine you know just for a few months to earn a bit of money you know and i yeah i did a few things i had no idea what i was going to do but then you know i was a bit fed up with that and and i didn't really need the money you know i had enough for whatever i was wanted at that age you know and i still had a good bit of the year to go and i thought why don't i do why don't i see if i could do a bit of voluntary work somewhere so i was always that type you know yes yeah altruistic type you know um and and, and like to be involved in causes you know so uh, I didn't quite know what to do, but I just basically knocked on the door of a local, um, you know, uh, institution where they worked with um, people with intellectual disabilities, Down syndrome and so on. Oh, I said, would, you, yeah. would you like somebody to do a bit of work? They were very surprised, young man in particular, yeah. saying, do you want to? So they looked at me slightly dubiously, but then decided to give me, said, why not? Yeah, give you a chance. You know, they had lots of young men there. So they felt, yeah, we could do with a man. Most of our staff are female, you know. And I started just doing some voluntary work there. I absolutely loved it. I was oh. never so happy in my life. And, people and how said, old were you? Were you sort of 21, 22? I was, about, like I was about 20, yeah. And, and you know... You fit uh, right in. Oh, totally fitted. I mean, in yeah. retrospect, again, it's fascinating. Just fitted right in with these outsiders and people who were seen as not normal and not part of oh normal. that's wonderful and, and you know people used to say god you're great to do that i was i was just loving it couldn't wait to get in each day you know natural environment totally loved working with those people and then i started to um you know um you know uh think well what do i need to do and i went and saw the 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 um, guidance counsellor from my old school, who I had gone on very well with, and he said, well, why don't you do psychology then? Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why not? Um, so Sometimes like you just need somebody else because yeah. you, you're you in the middle of doing it. It's an action thing, but you're not aware no. that actually you're, you've got a strength. And yeah. sometimes you need somebody yeah. else just to point it out, don't okay. you? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I did a psychology degree. It was a struggle. I was back in the same place. It's but, a tough you know, one, isn't it? It was tough um, and, and, you know, in various ways. But I got through it kind of only barely at the end. But I loved some of it and, and, and you know, and, you know, again, had some some 
began to fit in a bit like particularly when this task got smaller in second year i felt no this is this is cool this is exciting this is interesting these are interesting people you know um but uh, i didn't go and then become a psychologist i simply continued to work in my role with people with intellectual disabilities i was a house parent i was a social skills instructor things like that and i you did were that. gaining a lot more experience and knowledge by by studying at the same time of doing it and that that must have been amazing because you were hands-on using life experiences and observing and seeing what you were seeing but then you were doing all the the education side of it and and you i mean i know this from um client work thinking my god i could have helped so many people before but i didn't have the knowledge so it must have been really interesting that you were being educated it's like being an apprentice almost you know and doing it on the job absolutely it was fascinating and of course i was on my own kind of education journey being autistic i was kind of in a way learning what i wanted to learn you know because yeah. i would be generally highly critical of of, of education a, a lot of the time you know a lot of it yes. is is you get taught whatever somebody kind of wants to teach you maybe rather than you know rather than what you need but anyway um uh, it depends on just who, who's on the staff you know um, and, and they're not necessarily good teachers either but anyway we won't, <laughs> we won't bother going down that track yeah. but um no I, I was very lucky because i think i would have got even more lost now i got pretty lost in my 20s like when i tell my 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 own story and i you know i mentioned it for instance in one of my blog posts was the, the sheer personal loneliness you know i mean i I left home, got a bed sit, uh, was working in this particular job and loving it. But, you know, college was over. The college connection with some friends was was gone. I didn't really know how to maintain friendships. Yeah. You know? And they were built around the pub. Now, I drank a good bit in my in my late teens and in my 20s and you know, eventually gave it up because I was drinking too much and too dependent on it. But a lot of my drinking was on my own because I was just so lonely because yes. I also found the pub a really difficult place, which is where everybody met, particularly in Ireland, you know. Because uh, that's that, the, the same thing, isn't it? It's that, you know, my favourite thing was sitting in a bar, um, up at the bar, smoking loads of cigarettes, drinking loads of pints of ale and talking to the old crusty construction workers, mm, the roofers yeah, yeah. and the people like that. As soon as I left them and went off to try and join a group of women who are kind of my age and all that conversation is going backwards and forwards and they're talking about Strictly, well, it wasn't Strictly, but, you know, whatever it was in those days, I hated it. It hurt. It was painful. It was exhausting. And I, I would just end up getting drunk and making a fool of myself and going home in a mess because I just couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. No. I couldn't do it. I could only do, I could only do it when I was with, older men who were in construction and they were talking about politics which i had no idea about but i found it fascinating is that sort of experience you had well i think it is an experience i've had and again i sometimes mention it to clients to see if it validates their experience and it often does and that is that it's like when we're struggling with not knowing we're neurodivergent you know during those you know early adulthood and you know up to whenever we discover uh are you know more of our real identity and um, during that time i think uh what's hardest for us is to connect with the people we're supposed to connect with the people who are supposed to be like because yes. we're not like them whereas yeah. we're trying to connect with people who aren't like us at all it's actually much easier because there's no pressure to be what you know the yeah. kind of the template i often call it you know yes that, yes that person so i'm i'm you know left college i'm mid-20s 
I'm Irish, I'm male, I'm middle class, I'm, you know, whatever. So that means I'm supposed to like all these things. I'm conform, conform, like, conform. And then that means if I'm with those people, I find it really difficult because I feel totally alien and yes. not like that. Whereas yeah. I'm with, yeah, or if I'm with people who are supposedly very different from me, then often it's quite relaxed because I think, no, there's no expectation for me to be any of that. So I can drop the mask in a way, you know. So. I have to say that, you know, I... I have had some such unusual friends. I've had the ones I'm supposed to have, which never actually worked out in the end, and then the oddballs. But I have to admit that I was quite ableist really because I would see people who were quirky or nerdy or geeky or unusual or wore funny clothes or acted in a funny way. And I would probably be a little bit scathing of them because I was trying to fit in with this conformity thing. That's it. And I'm 56 now, and it's only now that I feel guilty about it, really, because that wasn't the real me, because I was very compassionate, and I did have some really um, interesting friends. And, and now, to this day, I do have a mixture of friends, but there's it's a very small group. Mm. I don't feel the need to have a lot of friends now, I, and I've... I, I've shrugged off quite a few friends because toxic is a funny word, but we're not going down the same path and it's triggering and upsetting and everything. So it's just nicer to have a, a smaller group of friends. So can, can we, I'm just keeping an eye on time because yeah. we've got, you're such an interesting chap and I've got so uh, much I'd like to ask you if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, is there anything you want to add there or can we move on to the next bit? No, no, absolutely fine. Absolutely. Are you sure? Thank you very much. So, um, you know, after this and doing psychology and going into um, a therapy practice, I'd like to ask, if I may, within your practice, tell us a bit about your clients. Obviously not, you know, confidentially or anything like that. But what I'm interested to know is, you know, how many would you say, um, you know, they, that you knew were neurodivergent to start with or were they coming in with anxiety and other difficulties? You know, you were saying this, you were touching on this before about them not fitting in, but you may have seen that they were having constant relationship breakdowns, they might have had addictions, mental health issues, um, and they didn't understand, you know, they were coming and saying, I mean, this is my experience, I suppose, you know, um, I don't know what's going on with my life. You know, all this yeah. thing keeps happening time and time again. What's the matter with me? I feel as I'm going mad. Yeah. Um, and it's only through that therapy experience that things come out. We don't assess, we don't diagnose, we observe. But I'd love to hear your experience. What happened with you? Because there's obviously things like a lot of shame and guilt, yeah. blame and low yeah. self-worth. Self oh, totally, totally, yeah. And, you know, and, and kind of puzzlement, I think, as well, that sense of, and yet, and yet I'm also capable, or, you know, and yet somehow, why, why am I struggling so much with these things, you know? Um, and I suppose, you know, my experience has shifted over, over time, because, you know, initially, uh, in my practice, as I said, it was just, you know, uh, a small you know, kind of hint of a few people that, that uh, you know, this might be an issue. And I was a little bit curious. And then I really, that triggered me going down my own track. And to be honest, I, I then, you know, I didn't push things along in my practice for a number of years. I didn't go the kind of, now I'm going to really focus on, on you know, working with autistic people. I just still let it come as it came, you know. Yeah. kept more of an eye out for it, was a little more confident about what it what it means to be autistic 
and slowly just over time you know every now and then clients would come to me and they'd be talking about social anxiety or they'd be talking about uh you know uh you know struggles in their you know kind of trying to you know settle in in, in a job you know and, yes. and the, the difficult experiences of you know the whole the, the the work politics were the problem not the not the job you know those kind yeah. of things and I think mm, wait a little while get to know them do a bit of work with them but then in some cases after a while I'd be thinking there's a real feel of autism here you know and, yes, yeah. and I, I didn't don't like the idea of of, of not saying that in some way you know uh, uh, because that's what I would want as a client you know yeah and so yeah I would say something like you know there's this that wait till again we were on that theme of those issues and I'd say then something like well you know it's almost like something a little a little sort of autistic to this or something. I don't know whether you think that, you know, have you heard much about this? They're talking more about it these days. Now, the odd time with the client that would just, you know, kind of sail straight by them, they'd kind of think, oh, no, I don't, don't really think so, you know. Yes, yeah. And, you know, uh, now, they might come back later and think they thought, say they've thought about it, but with most, most of the time, because I would bide my time before I'd be saying this. So most of the time I, I actually got you know, either a, oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting, kind of, what, what, what would you mean by that now? That's, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to look at that at least. Now, do you think it could be relevant? To be honest, quite often I got, do you know, some people have said that to me before, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. a little autistic, or, you know, I've wondered that myself sometimes, you know, so really mostly, I was pushing on a relatively open door and we would then open it up and discuss it. And I would say, look, again, I'm not assessing, but, you know, I can help you explore this and I can help you decide whether this seems to fit and it's helpful for you and whether we should work, you know, a bit using this framework. And if you at some stage want to get an assessment, I can, you know, give you guidance in getting that. Now, quite a few, very mixed, by the way, my experience um, clients, uh, you know, many haven't bothered getting an assessment uh many have and you know it's been really important for them but over the last few years there's been a big shift in a way if you like in the other direction in the sense that that can still happen what i'm describing the clients are coming to me and gently at some point i bring that topic up if i think it might be relevant or indeed other forms of neurodivergence adhd being the, the next most common one i think that i would find myself sometimes uh, wondering about with the client but um uh you know in the last few years i have put myself out there as somebody who specializes in this area i you know yes. have, you know as well as my general own stevens website i have a autism informed therapy uh, website and um, i have you know um you know done a little bit of marketing and you know a little bit of um you know uh, training of counselors and you know become yes. known to work with this uh what i discovered and i think it's similar in the uk what i discovered is that i almost needn't have bothered with the marketing you know because it's like there's so many adults out there who are in need of a therapist who's familiar with 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 autism um I, whether whether they're wondering about it and they hear about it somewhere or they google and they find me whether they're recommended by another therapist because the issue comes up but the therapist doesn't feel you know that that um you know um confident in dealing with it or of course 
whether they've got already a diagnosis. I've got a number yes. of referrals now for, you know, from psychologists and psychological practices where they do assessments. So it's really flipped around where it's not so often that I'm actually exploring that with a, a client now. A lot of my clients either come with the question or even with the, the, the fact that they're autistic, you know. And I get that. And I and I think um, we were talking about this before we came on air. And uh, what I'm finding is I'm becoming more of a coach and a mentor because um, sometimes there's anger, frustration. They, you know, they're so scared about feeling abnormal or or disordered or broken, and and sometimes they don't want it. Um, and I and I find myself saying, look, the therapy and the work that I do with you works with anybody, whether you know whether you're neurodivergent or not. But if they're interested in taking the journey, that journey is so important, isn't it? Because it's it could be the curiosity, it could be the wondering, it could be then going on to the assessment and then the diagnosis. And then for goodness sake, afterwards, there's times in my life, and I have to admit that after I trained in the model of therapy, I felt a bit like I was thrown off the boat without a life belt. Yeah. You've done the course, you've got the diploma, off you go and you're gone. And that's and and I absolutely don't want that to happen to clients that come and see me because it's such a complex and sensitive area of psychotherapy or coaching that sometimes it's that post area of therapy that's so important. I mean, I'm not sticking complete to the to the questions now because you're covering so much of it within what you're telling me. But have you found that that you know they they've they've gone through the psychologist, they've done the assessment, they've got the diagnosis, or they already, you know, they had it before. And they come to you and they sort of say to you, well, I know what I am now, but I don't know what to do with it. I, I, mm -hmm. I've spent 38 years thinking I was one person and now I'm somebody completely different. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I call it unpacking, you know? Yes. It's like, yeah, that, you know, you're, you know, autistic and you do identify with that and you've had it confirmed and you've read a little bit about it, but yeah. It's like, you know, it reflects a little bit about what I've just been talking about looking back on my life, all that unpacking where you identify that's where it was relevant and that's why that was difficult. And that's why I find this thing currently difficult. And there's a strength that I'd forgotten about, you know, that I need to bring back into the picture because, you know, because I, I don't have to, you know, leave it out of the picture if I'm going to accept I'm autistic because it's an autistic strength and I'm beginning to embrace that I'm autistic. Uh, so that kind of unpacking, uh, you know, just for yourself, for the person for themselves. Now, obviously, then that ties in a bit with unmasking, as in yes. what you the show of yourself that you haven't haven't been showing. It leads us, I think, bang into the heart of low self-esteem, as you yeah. mentioned earlier. I think that's that's so often a huge piece of work, you know, for people. And what are people saying around low self-worth or lack of confidence or, you know, that, that just that imposter syndrome that that just feeling of not being good enough well what sort of things are people saying about themselves well um i suppose you know people you know kind of realize that they learned to be somebody else you know yeah. I think masking is the term that's often used it's it's a limited term and i think most people acknowledge that you know sort of um you know people say adaptive morphing and camouflaging and all sorts of things yes. so we we develop a false self you know yeah and, and you can't have 
self-esteem if you're living a false self, you know? So it's like people are kind of lost when at this stage that we're talking about, they're sort of lost between knowing they have to and want to leave behind a lot of that false self that they developed to, to live in the world. Um, but they have very little idea how to find their way back to a more real self, you know? It's almost like Stockholm, this has just popped into yeah. my head, it's like Stockholm Syndrome on yourself, that you've almost been abusing yourself by conforming into a society's norm, and then now you're saying, look, shall we explore just take it, having a look at who you really are? And it can be quite terrifying, can't it? Oh, yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, that's why I, you know, kind of spent a good while at that, really, myself, you know, uh, um, before I, you know, kind of <laughs> did much changing in the world, you know. Uh, yes. I, I think, I think, you know, that, I suppose one way to put this, but that's my story, but I think, and, you know, we, we've discussed this before, I think uh, that also reflects the story of our culture. In other words, it wasn't just that it was difficult for me 10 years ago to do much about my, the knowledge that I'm autistic. It was more difficult for anyone 10 years ago. And it was yes, a little easier yes. five years ago. And it's a little easier now. And it'll be easier again in another five years, you know? Um, so it is, it's like, I, I, a lot of them, a lot of clients, for instance, have big questions about where this leaves them uh, with the people in their life, you know, their, yes. their partner, their friends, their their siblings, their parents, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, I can, you know, uh, like we know this from kind of, you know, systems theory and family systems and so on. It's like, I was just going to say that yeah. the, it, it's called uh, internal family systems and or parts therapy. And I'm learning, I'm reading up a lot about that now, um, It uh, that each family member has their own part to play and within their own psyches, one day they might have anxiety being the predominant feeling or low self-worth or happiness or anger. And it's very complex, isn't it? Because if you look at your own situation with eight people in your family, if I can't do the maths, but if you add it all up, imagine all of that coming to the table and we all have a right we do have a right within a family and uh, and in a system to have your say to be equal to be listened to and validated don't we absolutely yeah and and you know uh, i think that when somebody begins to change you know begins to i think this happens when people go to therapy anyway apart altogether from this particular you know, client group like ourselves, you know, discovering an adulthood that we're neurodivergent. But, you know, when people go to therapy and start to, to think, you know, well, I, I have been actually making too many compromises and I'm too people pleasing or I'm whatever, you know, and begin to make changes, it yeah. doesn't suit everybody around them, you know. So I think this is, again, what a lot of neurodivergent people experience is like, hold on, I'm, I'm being more myself, but it really doesn't actually suit everybody. They were used to the way I was, you know. And, and at the moment, uh, uh, you know, I get that and I and I definitely relate is we're moving house and because we're moving to a smaller house and we, we used to have a lot of stuff. I'm a bit of a hoarder, um, but I've been very ruthless and got rid of so many things. And some of the things were things like children's books and toys, which I've got a big emotional connection with them and also some friends. But actually, since I've um, discovered my neurodivergence, 
I've changed. I've not become hard or anything like that. I've become sensible and responsible and understanding of myself and what my needs are for the future. And it's been easier to get rid of stuff, to unburden myself, to stop the shame and the blame and, and keeping with friendships that weren't healthy, yeah. keeping objects that I didn't need and moving on to a brighter time because we're moving to a different county completely in a different way of life. And I'm very excited about it because it's got more culture, it's more diversity, it's more alternative. Really? I want to live amongst people who are like me yeah. And, and I'm so excited. I don't know how long I'm going to be on the planet, but I love the idea of having that journey with clients. And I don't have to have my friends and family understand everything about me. Um, and things will change. Yeah. Um, but we, we don't have to. It, it's, it's helping our clients in, in a way not be so emotional about it or learn how to feel the feeling mm. and do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, which, by the way, I think, uh, you know, in my mind, maybe links back uh, a bit to something you mentioned earlier, which is the kind of coaching aspect yes. of our work. Now, not all therapists would see a coaching aspect of their work. I think I've always had some of that in my work. I mean, you know, after I worked with people with, with, with intellectual disabilities, I, I um, you know, late in my 20s, got into my own therapy, you know, and began to explore that area. And I had a psychology degree. So, you know, I, I then went and did a counselling diploma and, and, and moved into the field of counselling, but specifically addiction counselling to start with. Right. I, got, I worked in a, in a treatment centre, you know, for a number of years then. And so I got very used to that idea of a very practical approach and, you know, very, very much, you know, dealing with the issues in front of us as well as getting to know the person very well and going all the way back to childhood and, and yes. figuring where everything came from. You know, I got very used to that, that, you know, like in the end of it all, you, you, you've got to, 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 to be quite practical about things. And so I've always had that bit of that kind of coaching, decision-making, support, education, information, you know. I love, uh, that. Of, I, I love that, Owen. I mean, I'm, I'm almost I'm clapping my hands metaphorically because um, it, it's so true. I, I, I feel as though I'm such a better person and a better therapist with what I'm doing now because I'm, I, f I find I'm really listening. I'm really validating and I'm going on that journey with them. So what I wouldn't have done so much before is come up with a load of resources. Yes. Whereas this time at the end of the session or during the session, I say, I think you'd really appreciate this, you yeah. know, and I'll be writing down how to ADHD, Edward Halliwell, yeah. Tony Atwood, you know, whatever suits their personality type. Yeah. I said, I think you'd love this. What about this film or this TV program or even that song? What sort of music are you into? And I just find that I'm listening so much more and I'm, I don't know, it's such a wonderful, wonderful journey. And for that, um, personally speaking, at the moment where we are, uh, because there's, the stigma is going and we're learning a lot more and, and more therapists are getting interested in neurodivergence. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just biased and, and I am, yeah. I have to admit it. Yeah. I do think neurodivergent therapists are absolutely fantastic for neurodivergent clients because we are, we do things in a different way and we are different and we, 
we understand, not just because of our personal experience, but the likelihood is, is we've done an awful lot of research and, and, and we've really dug down and we can hear what the clients are saying and, and see how we can help them. I mean, what do you think, really? How important do you think it is for counsellors to be educated in working with neurodivergent people? And do you think neurodivergent therapists benefit neurodivergent clients best and it's almost a bit of a double empathy thing going on there well you know I, I, first of all i think it's absolutely vital that therapists are educated in all of this and i'm trying to provide some of that at the moment uh you know i'm providing some webinars online and, and uh, planning a, a sort of a 10-day course from you know october to Excellent. march and um, you know uh, uh so you know so education has always been part of my part of my work you know and i'm big into yes. it um so that's absolutely vital and I do think that, you know, uh, the double empathy problem is very real. But on the other hand, supposedly any therapist can learn to be en empathic about any type of way of life or problem or person or, you know, and therefore, I think in principle, uh, you know, you could you could be a, a very good uh, therapist to, to neurodivergent clients without being neurodivergent. Whether you would be that motivated to in the end is, of course, another question, you know, uh, yes. for it to be a big part of your work. But you never know. Um, uh, but no, I definitely think that, that that people need to 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 have a good understanding of it. Anyone in the field, I think there are uh, great advantages a lot of the time to be neurodivergent. I find it very exciting working with uh, with with uh, autistic clients, being autistic myself, and a number of them have been with other therapists and say it's been a very different experience, uh, you know, and a very very positive and very empathic experience working with me. I mean, I think there's the the simple fact of the you know, mutual understanding, you know, there is that the empathy comes easier. But I think there's there's the two other things that mainly strike me um, uh, that I think are huge advantages. One we've just been talking about. I think that the natural working style of a neurodivergent therapist, if we let ourselves, is practical and pragmatic yes. and focused and contentful yes. and and outcome focused and all those things that are a little more solution focused coaching, you know, EBT yeah. ish while being very empathic, you know, practical, educative, you know, I, I think that's it also suits neurodivergent clients a lot of the time. But the big thing, I think the biggest thing of all, the, the most exciting thing for me in the past year has been just that risking that, that little bit of self-disclosure, not very personal, but just, you know, uh, where, where I feel that, you know, me as an autistic person, because my clients would know I'm autistic, I don't go on about it, and yeah. I don't mention it, but it's there to be found if you look at my website, I'm not hiding it, you know. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, so the the sort of, I think what what a lot of us growing up as, you know, neurodivergent and not knowing it as, 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 as children and as adults is, is what, we've, what we've missed out a lot on is sort of, validation and models yes you know people who are saying instead of saying you what or why would you think that or yeah why are you into that or that's very funny that you think that or you know uh you know whatever all that sort of double empathy mismatch you know yeah somebody who says yeah you know absolutely i mean in fact uh, you know to be honest experienced it similarly myself when I was growing up, you know, and whatever it might be they're talking about, you know, uh, office politics is a nightmare. Do you know what I mean? But it's so like, refreshing. Acknowledging it's so, it as not just yeah. a general thing, but saying, look, as an autistic person, absolutely. 
I'll give you an example, even if you're interested, do you know what I mean? And again, without sharing too deeply, I'll give them some little bit. Yeah. And often it's the first time they've ever heard another autistic person say me too. You know, now some of them are finding other autistic people online, but others aren't. It's literally the first time someone else has said, I know exactly what you mean. And and um, and I think what I find is on, I'm just having a look. I've got two questions, five minutes each, which are really important and I want to give you time for in, our, in the time we've got together. Um, but I, you know, my mask is down and I'm very fully open and out and everything. And actually I write it in my contract as well. You know, right. I do have a lot of experience and I am empathic and, and I do have some experiences. I used to use a lot of met metaphor and dear John and other things like that, but I don't have to do that really because I've experienced a lot of things that the people coming to see me do. And I'm not sitting there going me, me, me and talking about myself. I'm not doing that, but it, I don't mind doing it. And a, and a lot of therapy models are not allowed to do that. Absolutely. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm sorry. That's not what I do. So that yeah. makes me more of a coach in a way because I'm not your friend. I don't need to chat and to go out for a yeah. pint with you. Yeah. And I can empathize with you. So on the last two um, questions, the first one is, um, yeah, tell me more about the work you're doing at the moment and how you're supporting the neurodivergent community. Because I can't find a course, for instance, that I want it run by a neurodivergent person, um, personally, and, uh, and to be really fulfilling. Tell me, tell me what you're doing. Yeah, so as I said, apart from having a, a private practice, uh, which is, um, you know, I have a long waiting list on, that's the reality, you know, it's uh, there's a huge, yes. huge need, you know, and uh, it's it's growing. The number of therapists, you know, working with, with this and particularly even neurodivergent therapists is beginning to grow, but it's uh, uh, not as quickly as, as the um, incredible social phenomenon we're currently experiencing in the Western world, at least, which is, you know, adult autism is... Uh, is coming out of the woodwork and um, so yeah very busy private practice but and, and I do some supervision then of, of other therapists and particularly interested in supervising those who, who, who you know work in this area but um, you know education of other therapists has always been a big part of my work and yes. so I've been I have set up some just half day webinars and intro and a follow-up over the past year or so online mainly and um, myself and and uh, Evelyn Welton of Awesome Training in Ireland um, are planning a, a 10 day, you know, substantial, uh, you know, training for therapists uh, starting in October. Again, online, you know, nowadays. Oh, well, that's brilliant. And I would want the links for that, yeah. by the way. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. I'll Please put them on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll send you that. Um, so, yeah, I do think that in a way the the training of of therapists in this area has become urgent really it is yeah. urgent and, I, and i'm not finding exactly what i need i don't want to go and do a psychology degree or a master's yeah. Yeah. i don't need to do that i want something that that is how i work with clients on a on a sort of therapy model like that so um yeah i'd love to ask you all about your interests and hobbies but to, but but you've given us such a good a really, really good um, amount of information about what you do. And I think it's of great need to the people listening. But I think there's a, a very, very important message as we come to the end of today, Erin. And, and that one is this, this question that I ask all of my guests, which is really important, which is, you know, how would you like to see positive change at home, at school and in the workplace to help all neurodivergent people be included and able to thrive as valuable members of society? It's a huge question. So I'll, I'll just respond to, to, to the bit that stands out for me most these days, 
you know, both talking to, you, you know, I don't work a lot with youngsters, but I work with a few adolescents. Uh, also, you know, working with clients, talking about their own childhoods. Um, but also, you know, actually talking to a few teachers who, who have discovered they're autistic. Um, and, and that is school. You know, I just think, I think the school system, uh, you know, one of the most massive, incredible changes we could make. And there's been small changes, you know, uh, that have been made um, to, to try and help, you know, um, neurodivergence called special needs, of course, in the school system. Um, but uh, uh, to, to change, the, to loosen up and provide some sort of flexibility and some sort of accommodation for different learning styles and, and, and sensory sensitivity and, yeah. you know, uh, different ways of socialising, to provide that, you know, at primary school and, and into secondary school uh, would just make just such and such a massive difference to you know any of our experience growing up you know it would absolutely and and I want to go even further back for that by taking action and and actually making um, autism and neurodivergence so easy to talk about yes. so that parents and young people before they even have children can spot the uh, possible yeah. spectrums and traits within themselves. Yeah. Yes. And then they think, okay, we want to have children. There's a possibility that they might be as well. I need to know how to support them straight away. You know, has there been a premature birth? Has there been this going on? Did they not attach? Are they too attached? And looking at that very, those very, very early years. And so for teachers and everyone else. And what about in the workforce? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, supporting some clients with that these days. And I've written letters to, you know, managers and HR departments, you know, Good, just yeah. a few times in the past few months, just saying, yeah, you know, the, the, can you provide the accommodations along the following kind of lines? I'm seeing, you know, mixed, mixed experiences, but a couple of positive ones. I had a client, uh, you know, only yesterday or the, no, uh, no, no, Couple of feet, or late last week, yeah, uh, you know, just saying that you know he he'd begun to have again the very some some good shifts in you know management attitudes to 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 what he needed, having you know come out very much as oh, openly so as autistic, you know. So so again, it can make it can transform people's lives, you oh, know. It can. it can just transform people's lives, and of course, and we we know this, but it's a message that has to get out there. Most of the accommodations aren't that difficult, and most no. of the accommodations benefit. Everybody. Everybody. They, they, they absolutely do. Oh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed our time spent together Thank today. You. It's been yeah. a, an incredibly interesting um, conversation with you. And I know our listeners will discover so much more either about themselves or about whether they want to um, find a therapist or a coach. And uh, I will ask you for your links afterwards. Um, I think you may have already given them to me, but I make sure that they're on the show notes. And uh, it's just, you know, I can't thank you enough. And I and I look forward to our continued relationship because we're, we seem to be together on the same path. Absolutely. No, it's great. It's It has been the, I think, just the most wonderful thing in the past couple of years has been discovering other other people, other autistic people, neurodivergent people, other professionals, other therapists, yes. you know, on the same track. You know, I do feel like I have finally found my tribe you know it's a great oh, feeling yeah it's wonderful so, thank you yeah. so much and enjoy the yeah. spring as it's coming and the summer to follow yeah. and i'll see you um, I'll, online yeah always lovely talking to you take care take care Owen. Bye-bye. bye-bye see you thank you very much for listening to the neurodivergence and mental health podcast 
Links and resources will be at the end in the show notes. I very much look forward to meeting you again. Thanks for listening. Bye.